What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number 17 of the Brand in Demand show. Today, we're talking about social selling, and there's a ton of valuable stuff that we cover at the end during the Q&A. Check it out. Sales has changed, and I'm not gonna say that cold calling's dead or bash sales or email, and I did B2B sales for 10 years, and so you can still pick up the phone and send emails and all that stuff, but what's interesting is the more and more I talk with bigger companies and even smaller companies, there's one common theme that I hear, and I was just on a conversation a couple months ago with my former employer. It's a, it's a multi-billion dollar staffing firm, super heavy salespeople, thousands of sales reps and recruiters, very high performance driven company. The, the old school like, pick up the phone, hit the phones, like that was the environment that I grew up in, right? And I brought some of the sales aspects to social and video and that kind of stuff. But when I was talking to a leader at that company, I asked him, I go, is it harder to make cold calls to get a hold of your customers on landlines and you know through their office phones like we were a few years back? Is it harder to do now in 2022 than it was in 2018? And he goes, Alex, without question, it is harder now. And he actually told me, he's like, they actually want us to continue to hit the same numbers that we hit years back. And he's having to go have conversations being like, I don't think they're necessarily realistic anymore because people aren't in the office. They're working from home, they're not available, they're not using landlines anymore, we're using our cell phones. And guess where the attention is on the cell phones and the desktops? It's on LinkedIn, it's on TikTok, it's consuming content of all ages, right, and demographics. And so it's it's not that you have to abandon sales, you know, uh, sales calls or cold calls and say cold calling's dead, let's take a moment of silence and you know pray for their, you know, it's not like that. We just need to say, hey, if you're 100% only doing sales calls and emails and cold calls, then you probably should think about this other method that, oh, by the way, is like dominating our world and it's having a massive impact on how people do business and win customers, which is social media. And so I wanted to, and that's just, I just wanted to set the stage in terms of why we're talking about this. So whether you're an individual solopreneur, small business owner, you're leading a large corporate team, you gotta figure out this whole social selling component and definitely the content side of things for building brand and creating demand. But it's really, it's a really good practice to know how to go in and strategically engage with customers, book qualified meetings with them and turn those into clients. I've actually been teaching this for years now. I had courses, I had boot camps, all that stuff that I taught before. And I still consult with companies and teams on this, but it, this is what we're gonna talk about today is proven, it's not like, Go try it out and let me know how it goes and we'll see, hopefully you guys set some meetings. No, this is all stuff that I've lived and I've taught dozens and dozens of people that have won customers uh, doing this approach, this social selling video DM approach. Um, there's no one size fits all though. There's, a, there's different styles and your customers are different than somebody else's customers. So it's just like sales or art. There's not one direct black and white way to do it, but there are some things that we know give us a high likelihood of setting a meeting. And then we know there's some things that give us a very low likelihood of setting a meeting, which is spamming people with automated DMs. And I'm not gonna go down that path. You guys probably know how I feel about that. So really quickly, I wanted to find this because when I start talking about social selling and I hear social selling on LinkedIn or TikTok or anywhere, it's actually really interesting that a lot of people don't really know what it means. And because people are talking like content is, you know, if I'm on social, I'm creating content, that's social selling, not really. That's really not social selling. I'm gonna get into the differences here. It, content definitely plays a role in social selling. It makes it a hell of a lot easier. But content itself, the art of creating content and demand is not necessarily a sales activity. So I define social selling as the use of social media to engage in sales activities. Okay, so think about it like this. We're at a big conference, right? We're all at this conference right now. 
and your content, the stuff that you create and post in the feeds or your live events or your podcast or wherever you create the content and whatever channel you're creating it on, that's you speaking on stage. That's you on stage delivering your keynote, your panel interview or with somebody else or whatever you're delivering. Or it's also in a smaller setting, it could be the round table. You're sitting around with a group of five to 10 to 50, 20 other people and you guys are talking about topics that are meaningful. They're industry related topics, trends, what's happening, what you're noticing that's working, what's not working, you're throwing out questions, challenges. That's the kind of dialogue that you would have on stage or in the, in the round tables. You're trying to bring value and contribute to the conversation, educate people, inspire people, motivate them to take action. That's what our content does, right? That's the purpose of the content. Social selling would be at that same, we're at that same conference now, and now we're shaking hands before and after the round table, before and after the keynotes, in between during breaks, we're shaking hands, getting to know people, connecting with people one-on-one, -on -one, starting conversations, and maybe it's one-on-two or two-on-two or three-on-three, whatever the dynamic is, but we're starting to have conversations. And if you think about, just like in your content, if you're on stage or in the round table, you're not gonna be Bob the insurance guy that's like, here's my card and if you need insurance, get a hold of me and I do family insurance, I do life insurance, I do car insurance. Like, No one's gonna wanna talk to Bob. They're gonna be like, God, Bob guy's so annoying. All he does is talk about how he helps people with life insurance and he wants you to buy his shit. No, you'd contribute to the conversation. And the same goes for the social selling element, which is what we're gonna talk about today. You wouldn't go around just being like, hi, my name is Alex, we do this, and hi, my name is Alex, we do this. You would just start conversations. You'd say, hey, what do you think about this speech? Or what do you, how are you guys doing with this? Or what's happening with this, right? You would try to start valuable conversations with people and try to get an actual conversation going. That's not you pitching your products or services. It has nothing to do with your products or services other than eventually it might lead to that. Same way with your content. So, so, so that's it. And ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to book meetings. You're trying to book meetings with people that can become customers. Okay, so here's the process on how to do it. And I'm gonna run through this, and if we got questions, in-depth questions, that kind of stuff, we can always get to it in the, in the Q&A. But there's, there's two sides of this. So one, because when you're creating content, obviously you're drawing people to you because you're creating a demand for your service and your business. You're getting people to actually come to you after the speech or the round table and say, hey, you were talking about X, Y, and Z. I'd love to talk to you more about that. That's interesting, I think we could use that service. That's content bringing people inbound. Social selling, you've got to go out there and you've got to shake the hands, you've got to start the conversations. The nice thing about that is you've got more control with the outbound. Because if I'm creating content, especially in the beginning when I don't have a brand built up yet, it's harder for me to say like, I'm going to put out content this week, I can control the amount I post, but I can't really, it's hard for me to gauge how many leads I'm going to get. Where outbound, I can say, I'm going to send 20 video messages today or 50 video messages a week or 100 or I'm going to connect with X amount of people. It's a little bit more of a controllable variable. But ideally, you're doing both, right? And ideally, you do so much of the content and inbound that eventually, you don't have to do much of the social selling, right? It's just all on the back end or it's, it's very easy conversations because people already know you and like you and trust you. So the five-step process is this. The first one I'll give you guys is the cold social selling approach, right? This is this, let's just say we don't, you're maybe you're putting out content, but you're not drawing people to you. Maybe you don't have a lot of engagement yet on your content, but you can go out and do this day one and get results within the same week. This is the five-step process you would take for cold social selling on LinkedIn. And I, this would work across platforms, but we're gonna just focus on LinkedIn. Number one, it's, it's search, engage, connect, message, book the meeting. Okay, so number one is search. The best place to search for your prospect on social media, hands down, is LinkedIn, but even when inside of LinkedIn, is Sales Navigator. 
it's a tool that if you're doing any type of prospect or social selling, it's a literally a must if you're in B2B for sure, right? Because what it does is allow you to drill it down by posted content in the last 30 days, job titles, industry, revenues of comp size of companies, company growth. I mean, it's insane. Like, I wish I had that when I was selling. I think it was around, but we, no one knew about it. We just didn't know how to use it. So you're going to search for your people. You can create lead lists. You can do a lot of things. Again, I'm not going to go ultra granular on some of this stuff. The second step was you engage in those people's content. That's why you search for posted content in the last 30 days as one of your filters. So now you can go in there and, you, and maybe it's 200, 600, a few thousand, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You're not trying to spray and pray something happens and throw spaghetti at the wall and see it sticks. You just need a targeted list. You're going to be strategic and personalized. So it doesn't matter. It's not some massive number, right? And if your customers aren't on there, well, then you need to think about where they're at, where they're at and go there, obviously, right? But most of the, in most cases, B2B scenarios, you've got at least a few hundred that are posting content in the last 30 days. And if you're targeting CEOs, executives, VPs, you've got thousands. I guarantee it, right? So you search first, you engage second, you go to their content, you find you know content that they're posting. Again, you can create lead list and save their content. You can hit their bell and that will remind them that next time they post, you'll see it. But the premise is this, if we engage in somebody's content and depending on your sales cycle, you might want to do this a couple times before you, you connect the message um, or you can just do it one time. But the point of engaging is to familiarize them with you and to kind of get a mini conversation or interaction going before you actually send a connection request or a DM because our whole goal with the engaging and the searching is not to just find the people but to get them to actually accept our connection request on LinkedIn. So to give us a better chance, we engage with the content first. And it's something as simple as I just comment and say, I like something and comment and say, Jeremy, that's an interesting take you have. You know, what we found is this and this. Could be something very simple. Love your attitude about this. This is phenomenal. Like, I'd love to see more of the content. Whatever it is. Number three, we connect to the prospect then, right? Then so that we actually go into their profile and we hit connect. Now at this point, this is really important. Here's where you want to send a note. If you're just connecting with a bunch of people, then you can just connect and don't send a note. But if you're gonna use this process, you wanna send a note for a couple of reasons. One, you're gonna reference the post that you engage with them on. So you're gonna say, hey, Jeremy, I loved your post. I saw your post yesterday or today about three things that people should be doing as it results to this. Like really good stuff, man. I hope to see more of your content in my feed and hopefully you see mine. There's no mention about my product, my service. I don't mention that, hey, if you need tips on video, Mark, I don't mention any of that. If you give them a whiff, a little scent that if there's a sales pitch coming, they may not accept your connection request and they're out, right? So simply just be genuine, just be real. I, I saw your content, it was good. I hope to see more of it. Hopefully you see mine, would love to connect. Simple as that. That's the first benefit, they're more likely to connect with you. The second benefit is that when they actually do accept your connection request, it shows up in your DMs and you can actually see what you wrote to them. So if you're sending quite a few of these, sometimes you forget if it was three days ago, then they accept. You're like, shit, what did I hit Sherry up about? Oh, that's right. And then you see it in the DM, you see what you wrote as a connection request. Oh yeah, Sherry did a post about corporate this or being an executive and trying to balance work life. But that's right. Yeah, I remember that. So it kind of gives you the, the reference and the mind frame as soon as you come into the conversation. Number four, you get to messaging. Now this is, there's three different kinds of messages you can send on LinkedIn. The first is text, which is what 99.9% .9 of people send. The second one is audio, which is probably what 10% of people send, maybe. That's maybe being generous. And then there's third, which is video. 
and video DMs, video DMs people are sending out, that's probably 1% or less are sending video DMs on LinkedIn. So you guys can see from right there, you're instantly separating yourself from everyone else because of the two, three steps you just did before that, but now you're sending a video and when you send videos, we've done this again for years, myself and dozens and dozens of clients have done it. When people see your face, they're surprised you can even send a video DM in the first place. So you talk about pattern interruption. That's what a video DM does on LinkedIn. It's a pattern interruption. They go, whoa, this is the video. Now, obviously, as soon as you see the video, you're building more trust and credibility and likability with that person in most cases because now people can see you, you can smile, you're a human being, right? Which we try to try to humanize sales and be more human. Well, that's the perfect way to do it. And so what you say in that DM can be a lot of different things. I always say, keep it under a minute and just try to start a conversation. So you wanna reference the post that you saw of them before, why you connected. Hey, great to be connected with you now officially, Sherry. Um, yeah, I saw your post from yesterday. It was really good stuff on work-life balance. It's one thing I try to work really hard on with my girls too. So. Um, you know, something I would sneak in there to start the conversation was I would mention something about their LinkedIn profile in terms of like, cause I was selling LinkedIn services. It's gonna be different for everyone. But I would say something like, hey, I noticed you're posting a couple pieces of content like a week. Like I got a couple things if you're curious, a couple shortcuts or a couple things you could do to actually get more reach with your posts. If you're curious, let me know. I'm happy to, to give those to you for free. I always try to bring a ton of value to any connection that I make on here. You could flip that last part for your services. Like, oh, I see you're a founder. You've started a couple companies. Like, I, I've worked with a ton of founders and there's usually a couple of things they get really excited about. One of them is this. I'd love to show you something if you're ever interested. Let me know. If not, either way, glad to be connected with you. I hope you have an amazing day. That's, it's that simple and casual, but you are kind of leaving the door open to say, hey, we could start a conversation here, right? Because if you just say, hey, glad to be connected, if you need anything, let me know, they're not gonna hit you back. You gotta give them something. You gotta dangle a little carrot in front of them, but it's not your product or service. It's gotta be something to get, just like content. It's gotta be something that's valuable to them with no strings attached. The last one would be book a meeting. Now, you don't send your calendar invite when you send the video DM. Just in case, here's my invite. No, that's gonna ruin it. It turns it into a sales pitch right away, right? So you wanna wait till they say, yeah, I would be interested in that. You said you work with other founders and there's one thing that they really get excited about as a result to this. Yeah, I'd be happy to see the, the free worksheet or whatever you created. Or I'd, yeah, I wouldn't mind checking out your live event. That'd be cool. Checking out the podcast, whatever you're going to say. And then if, if they're open to a conversation from there or if your path to conversion was let's set up 15 minutes to chat about it or a coffee, whatever it is, they say yes, then you send the calendar invite and then you book the meeting. That's the five-step process. The, the other side of this is the, is the better approach is the warm uh, four-step process. And that would be if people are engaging on your content. So I've won a ton of clients my first year on LinkedIn where people would like or comment on my post. Most people just see that and go, yeah, cool, they respond to the comments and they move on. Well, little do you know, some of those people you're not connected with and some of those people are potential clients if you're doing it right and you're also engaging with your prospects in the feed and you're interworking and cross-pollinating your clients within your regular feed, you're probably gonna see some of those people show up. And when they do, you wanna make sure that you send the, you know, they've engaged with you so you can skip that step. You don't have to search for them. You can skip that step, but you're gonna send a connection request and just reference, hey, thanks for checking out my video on X, Y, and Z. Would love to get connected with you. That's it. When they accept, then you can send the video DM. Hey, thanks so much, glad to be connected with you. I'm glad that you liked my video from the other day. I hope to see more of your content. By the way, I gotta, and then you go into your, your 20 second thing. Right, and so that's how you go from either unknown to booking a meeting, or you go from they're engaging with your content, which is great because they're warming up to you in the first place to then booking a meeting. Cool.
Let's get to some Q&A. Again, you can ask about social selling, DMing, or if you want to go a different route with content, you're uh, more, than, more than welcome to. I have a question. Yes. So I'm going to ask you about TikTok. Yeah, yeah. you the 60-second video earlier yep. today. So for everyone else who knows what's going on, I'm a photographer, videographer in Atlanta, and I typically shoot like regular landscape video, go on someone's website, um, but I just started shooting 9x16, like short format, a minute or less, to for people to post on Reels. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if I need to be focusing on TikTok. Maybe not meet. Well, obviously, I personally do as well. But if I could use this to sell as like, it's not a new service, but push it as a way for people to have content for TikTok. Or is TikTok, you know, like I said earlier, is it more like, quickly done on the fly on your phone funny and short and that's the whole point of it like would someone need a videographer to shoot something like beautiful that actually takes a lot of time or is that just not worth it? <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a good question so i mean first of all linkedin you know instagram reels and linkedin or tiktok instagram reels and tiktok are very similar in terms of what's going to work in the feed and what's not Right, so they're, they're very similar in that regards. Now the Insta, regular Instagram feed is different. It is a little slower paced like a LinkedIn feed, but also the regular Instagram feed is like dead. Like it's so hard to get organic reach there. You definitely wanna be on TikTok, 100%. I would say for anyone in this, in this listening to this right now, one freaking thousand percent for a lot of reasons. And, and definitely LinkedIn if you're B2B, but I would say this with TikTok because I looked at your video. With those short form videos, LinkedIn or TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, you've got to one grab attention right away, and it's, it does have to be. It doesn't have to be faster pace all the time, but it's got to be something that's going to grab their attention. And they also very quickly have to know what they're watching. So if you're a you know a videographer or a photographer, the best thing there's probably two types of content I would create. One I would create content that shows, like if you, let's say you're working for a coffee shop or a business. Don't post a video about you just like shooting stuff and kind of have to go to different, cut to different scenes. Take something really cool that people would consume every day, like maybe a latte or a coffee, and you're gonna do two seconds of you, you know, them pouring the beans in the bucket. Then there's another one second or two seconds of them going in the roaster, the other second of it squeezing out into the drink. Then there's like the latte, the stuff on top or whatever, and then the cup gets served. Like those types of videos are gonna do really well. Same if you had an ice cream shop. Like there's an ice cream shop down the road from me there. They have amazing products. And I'm like, God, why aren't you guys, I would be on posting multiple TikToks a day and just showing people the behind the scenes of how you make the ice cream. It's interesting shit. And it's all stuff that we consume, coffee, ice cream, whatever it was, like, right, whatever you're, you're filming or doing, people are just interested in the behind the scenes. If you owned a meat packing plant, you would show how you pack the meat and send it out across the United States. People actually like to see that stuff. So I would do that type of more user-generated type content, even though you'll be creating it. That's one avenue. The other avenue is you might do like how you actually how you actually uh, photograph things and provide tips on how to get better photos from people's cameras, right? So like if you're like, hey, if you got an iPhone 13, you want better quality photos, did you know there's a feature in your phone that allows you, now I know that doesn't relate back to what you're gonna do for them, but they're not gonna try to use their iPhone for their wedding pictures. But they will go to Monica, who's been constantly showing them how to make better videos every day in their TikTok feed. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's gotta be their fascinating type behind the scenes stuff or you delivering some type of message about here's how to clean up your photos. Here's the best photo app if you're gonna do it yourself, right? Does that answer your question? Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, and I have done that in the past, and I kind of strayed from it, but uh, definitely makes sense. So, what is the best length, like that you would say for a TikTok video? I mean, is oh, it too long? no, not at all. I mean, it depends on the content, right? So, I mean, it, I did a video yesterday that did really well and booked me a meeting that was, I think, two minutes long. So nice. it, it just depends on, uh, somebody posted about this today, this Marcus Sheridan actually said, uh, it's not that people's attention spans are shorter. They're about the same size. It's just our patience now has become less, right? So it's like, we now like, we'll go to something else quicker. But if we're onto something we enjoy and we're interested in, we'll consume it. It's not like, like you guys are all here now. It's not like you're like, oh my God, I gotta go. It's been two minutes. Like, you know, we, we got attention spans. It's just, if it's shit we're interesting in, we'll stay. If it's not, we're gonna go because there's four trillion other things we could be consuming. Yeah, very helpful, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Questions? Yes, um, great presentation as always. Thanks. Uh, sitting outside, so I hope you can hear me. Um, it is, uh, I know TikTok is, is booming and YouTube Shorts seems to mimic TikTok. Yeah. Is it better to uh, create, you know, the, the uh, vertical um, video for both media? And is it, once you post it on TikTok, does the TikTok uh, logo or branding appear? Um, is, does that detract from them posting it in the YouTube Shorts or how... I don't have a lot of experience. Yeah, I, I got you. So. Yep, I got you. I know exactly. So the question was, you know, if you're posting on TikTok, is it very, could you post the same con content on YouTube Shorts? And if you're posting on YouTube Shorts, like, but if you post on TikTok first, you have the logo there, is that okay to do? The, the best case scenario, and then I'll get to maybe the secondary, is that the best case scenario is that you're creating content and then you're able to edit it for that platform and not have the logos and that kind of stuff. So like all the videos we do, they don't, we're not, I can post them anywhere, right? We just create the content and then I post it to YouTube Shorts or TikTok or LinkedIn or wherever it is. And so I don't have to worry about like posting a tick, creating it on TikTok and then having the logo there and, and then trying to post it somewhere else. But um, I think from a content standpoint, what would work on what platform is that YouTube and TikTok and Instagram Reels are basically the same exact thing. So there's minor details with how they're set up and stuff like that, but there's certain editing rules that you would apply towards both. You, you would probably, you know, it's all obviously mostly vertical. The the pace, the hook, the how you should deliver it, a lot of that stuff is the same. I mean, all YouTube <laughs> did and Facebook and Instagram did is looked at TikTok and go, holy shit, this is gonna be the future and we're smart and we all know social media and we know something, we know a rocket ship when it's taken off and we need to get on this rocket ship. And so they built out YouTube shorts and Facebook reels and Instagram reels. That's all that happened. Right, and so, and LinkedIn's trying to figure out how do we fit in now? What do we do to for all this, you know? And so, that that's all it is. So, yeah, you could post the same video to LinkedIn, sure, to, well, to LinkedIn too, but to Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, and TikTok, as long as it was good content for those three channels. And yeah, I would avoid posting something that has the watermark on other channels. So I've heard before, I wouldn't say it's 100% confirmed, but I've heard before that they can detect the watermark in their software. I don't know if that's true or not, but it kind of seems like they probably would. So, and I think it's also just not really a good look. Like it kind of degrades the video quality a little bit because you've got the watermark from somewhere else. It looks like you just like were lazy and reposted it. But in terms of the content, I probably wouldn't change a ton. You may change the copy a little bit, you know, from definitely from a LinkedIn to a YouTube, to a TikTok, to an Instagram. The, the demographics, the audience is a little different, so you may tweak the copy. But what's interesting on TikTok now 
is, I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but this recently happened, they now have more characters that you can actually add in terms of text under your video. So I think it's like 1,300 characters. It's a lot longer than it was before. It's not LinkedIn, I think they've got 3,000 on LinkedIn, but TikTok's adding more text that you can add underneath your video post. So what does that say? Well, they're trying to incorporate probably more SEO because it's now the number one website in the world and it's now literally, it's a search engine for especially, I mean, for a lot of people, but definitely the younger demographics coming up. Even myself the other day, I was like looking up something. I was like searching on TikTok how to do it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm one of those people now. I'm like searching on how to do this. Oh, it's an Excel. I was trying to do a formula in Excel. And I typed and I was like, I could probably do YouTube or Google it. I was like, you know what? Let me check if there's TikTok because I feel like I would get a faster hitting, more like direct answer video that was 30, 45 seconds. I just wanted to learn how to do this quick formula in Excel. And sure enough, it pulled right up and I learned how to do it and that was it. So that, I mean, for a lot of reasons, TikTok is becoming a major, major player. Not just because it's like fun and it's vertical and all that stuff. It's because of where they're going with the platform and what they're adding to it. And the, and the fact that it's becoming part of pop culture now, it's becoming part of our society. Like ima imagine what Google did and YouTube did and some of these platforms did for society. Literally, when you're gonna look something up, you say Google. <laughs> I mean, you, how genius, their, their business name became a verb. You just say, Google it. Like imagine if people around the world were saying your name, like your business, name it. Like that's crazy. So it's very similar is what's happening with, with uh, TikTok in terms of just the, the, the impact that they're having in, in the world. So now everything changes, like right, the two years, it could be something totally different, it could change, but it typically doesn't change that fast. That's what I've learned. You had that one MySpace fluke, other than that, Platforms typically don't die or, or pop up out of nowhere in 12 months. Like people are like TikTok, yeah, now it's so big, but it's been building for years. I mean, it's not like it just, it just got started 12 months ago. It just now got to the point where it's more mainstream. And the same with LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been around for 20 years. But just in the last three or four years, it's gotten to the point where like people are like, yeah, I should probably be on LinkedIn creating content. So I want to throw that in too. Good question. Well, did that answer the question? Any follow-ups on that? I'm happy to answer it. Good. Any other questions? Social selling content. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a question. I just want to put it out there because if I put it out there, I have to do it. I've yet to create and start TikTok an account. So by next Tuesday, I promise I'm going to post at least two or three things just to get going. All right. I had to show some accountability and put it out Let's there. Otherwise, I'll be embarrassed if I don't do it. Let's do it. I love it, Mike. Good stuff. If anyone else wants to join that, hey, throw your name in the hat. I, you know, if, if you notice for me, I really only post vertical videos anymore on LinkedIn. Cause I'm like, everyone else is adapting to vertical. Now, that being said, I'll probably take this long form and post it on YouTube as a long form. It's not that there's no place for long form anymore. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is for the most of the social feeds now, it's all vertical. So I'm like, I'm not gonna wait around for LinkedIn to adapt. They're freaking always like five years late to everything. Like Clubhouse got big, the audio platform. And then it died, and then six months later, LinkedIn releases, we got audio rooms. It's like, dude, we're not even, <laughs> it's not even hot anymore, you know? So it's like, I'm not gonna rely on LinkedIn, because what do you, I mean, you, can do, you can do square one by one, that's fine, right? That's totally fine to do, but the problem is, it's good for LinkedIn, but the problem is you can't take that square video and go anywhere else with it. You can't go to Reels, you can't go to TikTok, you can't go to YouTube Shorts, so where, where do you go with a square video? At least on horizontal, you can post it on you know, YouTube if it's a good piece of content for YouTube, but 
that's why I started video, almost all my videos now, occasionally I'll do a square or something, but almost all my videos now are vertical. Cause I'm like, I'm not creating, you know, extra content just cause LinkedIn doesn't have an, they haven't updated their shit and got with the times. And I think that LinkedIn needs to be strategic and they don't want to be a TikTok or a Reels. I agree with that. I, I would hate to see the platform because they, they got something special with the business community. It's more thoughtly. Like they've got something really special there. I love LinkedIn. But they, they do need to figure out some type of like, how do we get with it from a business standpoint, but, but still incorporate more videos? Because right now it's just like, it's embarrassing that they're, you know, they're so text focused still in 2022. Do you have any kind of stats on demographics for TikTok? I mean, a lot of people don't know anything about it, but if you were to convince somebody like, hey, you need to be on TikTok, I mean, is it growing with the older community? Yeah, yeah. What would you say? One of the fastest growing demographics the last time I checked was 38 to, I think, 52-year-olds. That was like the fastest growing demographic. So if you look at it, I forgot the exact numbers, but you can Google it or TikTok it, <laughs> and you can see like, I think it's like 40-something, 40%, 38%, something around there is people 30 and older. So it's not like, you know, 80% or like 20-year-olds. It's not the case. And, you know, it's interesting even for me, like personal antidotes, I'm, I've said this before, but like I talked to my neighbors who are in their 60s and different households and they've all been like, oh, did you see that one person on TikTok? And I'm like, you guys are on TikTok? Like, it, it's just like, what? Like, that's crazy. And I, I you know, won clients and from people that are in their 40s, 50s and 60s on TikTok. And so the thing about TikTok that's different than Instagram and LinkedIn is people don't feel the need to have a nice profile there. They just have an account and they consume. Like my uncle who's 70, he like sees my, he's like, I see all your videos. And I'm like, John, you have no headshot. You haven't created any videos and you never like anything, but you see all my videos like, oh yeah, I watch them all. So they, they don't feel the need to create like a profile and have it nicely done. Like you would LinkedIn or you would Instagram where it's more like for show. It's very consumer heavy. Now that's part of the reason the organic reach has been good because there's a lot of consumers and not a lot of people have jumped in because it's fast short form video content. And a lot of people are intimidated by video anyways, let alone, jumping in the TikTok feed, which is like, phew, right? But, you know, I always say I don't do any trends, I don't do any dances, I don't do any crazy stuff, and I still win clients there. I play the long game and I focus on my niche. And I was on a meeting today with a startup company that's gonna hire us for some strategy, and he was like, I've seen many of your videos on TikTok. Didn't even know about my LinkedIn until he came over from my TikTok page. And so it's like, I'm t more and more people are getting on there, and the fact that they're getting more as the SEO thing is something really Google TikTok and SEO like that <laughs> that alone should convince you like when people are searching something to find information and you are nowhere to be found on that platform it's not a super great place to be right and I still think it's somewhat early with TikTok but you know the next year or two like it's going to be harder to get attention on TikTok everyone now it's like the gold rush now everyone's like oh shit we got to go on TikTok so there's going to be a lot of new people on there and creators, which means the demand, or the supply of creators is going to go up. And so it's going to hurt the algorithm. And then there's going to be more ads. Ads on the platform are really cheap. You can boost a post for 25 bucks or 50 bucks or 100 bucks, and it can be seen by tens of thousands of people. So it's like, for that reason, I would definitely, uh, it's, it's worth it. Minimum doing like 30 to 45 minutes of research and then telling yourself, all right, either I'm going to get serious about this or I'm not, but at least you're educated. Alex, I really appreciate what you just said because it really proves uh, that you, you practice what you preach. A couple weeks ago, 
you talked about uh, content strategy, not platform strategy. Right. And there you just proved it. Yep. Which, <laughs> which is, hey, you're not doing, <laughs> if you were doing a, a platform strategy for TikTok, you would be doing the trends and the dances. But you're right. Not. You're just basically taking what your, your content and you're just purposing it for the platform. Right. Exactly. And it's a lot of the same, exactly. And, and to your point, everything I talk about, I either have done before or live now or none of my stuff. I've never read a marketing book in my entire life. So I don't even have anywhere to pull from. <laughs> like, I just, I've just, I live, I'm obsessed with it. It's the shit I love. And so like, yeah. But, you know, yeah, to your point, I mean, having a, a content strategy versus a platform strategy is huge, right? The same way once we're done with this, I can take the video. I got the, I got the horizontal, I got the vertical, I got the audio for the podcast. I'll just take out a little uh, transcribe of uh, a word, or a, not a word, but text. That will be the newsletter I'll send out tomorrow and then update everyone on what the next live is going to be about. I'll turn it into a couple text posts. Like everything is going to branch off. Now, that being said, I'm also going to shoot 10 videos tomorrow uh, outside in different environments because I'm learning I need to switch things up and not give people the same exact background. And, uh, and you'll see one of those videos tomorrow that I post that's outside and it's just kind of fun. I'm also going to film the rapping CEO, which is like, I think it's one of the best videos that I've made or I've had the most fun making it. We'll see how it does, but it was so much fun. There's such a good message behind it. It's a one minute video of the CEO who goes into this rap about how things are changing and he needs to evolve. And it's a pretty cool little story, but I'll film that. So, you know, I don't just rely on like, even within that, I don't just say, all right, I got the live event. I'll get hundred percent of my content from that. I mean, this allows me to be way ahead in content and it does give me a lot of good content. It allows me to have some fun with you guys and get good insights and answer questions. But I also am going outside of here and doing original content for the feed. Because especially if you're newer on TikTok or YouTube Shorts or anything like that, you need to mix in some original content. Because when you make original content, you can be more purposeful, more intentional, you can be better with your hooks. You know, there's a lot of things you can do that are more trickier to do uh, from a live event that you're repurposing, unless you've been doing it for years and you're really good at knowing how to do it. So that's what I'd say on that too. Good point though. Yeah. Your setup right there, you've, you've got, uh, you, know, you must have a webcam or, or a, uh, a laptop. Yeah. You've got your phone recording as well. Yeah. You've got, do you have a, a, a mixing box or do you just take, you know, what, what you're taking, you know, directly into your laptop? Yeah. Uh, yep. Into uh, recording software like you know Anchor or something like that. So the setup I'm using now is uh, my yeah my phone's right here, the webcam's right here on top of it. So those two are going at the same time. The webcam is obviously going to the Zoom, and then it's also going to the software that records the horizontal video, so I can get that for YouTube if or long form if I want. My mic right here, which you probably can barely see is a wireless lapel. I started using this. I also have a Yeti mic that's right here that you can't quite see. It's a little out of frame on purpose, but that picks up my, that's what you're hearing me talk out of now. The mic is for my, plugs right into my smartphone, uh, my iPhone 13. And so the video comes with the audio ready to go. And then I can also shoot videos outside, be on the go, move, and I don't have to worry about like adding an additional mic, it's just right there. And then I just simply take the, I take the long form video, that become, I timestamp it, send it off to our editing process, and then I just take the audio and throw that on Anchor and write a quick description. It's pretty much, there's nothing much I have to edit on the audio typically. Awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, I got a big ass ring light. Like literally it's massive. It's one of those loom cubes, but I don't use it unless I have to. So like, you know, I've got good windows and natural lighting. I love using natural light, it's the best. 
But if you know it's a if it's a, uh, a cloudy day, it's rainy. I don't have a lot of light coming in. Then I I can turn on that ring light at any time. So it's a pretty simple setup, but it's just like it's just you know, knowing how to use it, you know, and being efficient. Like I people I see people scrambling right now trying to post like seven TikToks a day and like trying to do all this crazy. I'm like, you're gonna burn out. I mean, you're not. That's not sustainable. So it's like for me, it's like what's sustainable. I mean, that's why people are like, you should do more creative videos. I'm like, yeah, do a creative video and then come back and tell me you're gonna do four a week, please. I'd love, I'd love to see it because it, if you've done one, it fucking takes a lot of work and it's, and it's fun and it works well. And so I like doing them, but I'm gonna do one a week probably or one every two weeks. It's not gonna be every day. I wish I could, but it's just, I would have no business if I did it. So it's like, for me, I'm all about processes and systems and keeping things really fresh and interesting and engaging, but also being super smart behind the scenes where people are like think that I'm like, oh, I must be making videos all day. I see them in different places. Really, I batch record one day for an hour, once a week, and then I have this live event. And then my creative video is like one every week, one every two weeks, whatever the rhythm is, and, and that's it. It's, it's not a ton of time creating content. So, but you know, that's just me getting smarter over time and learning through a lot of mistakes. And so, yeah, it, it took a little while to get here, but we finally got a great process. And the same with the newsletter. I'm not like writing something like, you know, before I had a newsletter and then I got rid of it. Cause I was like, I just hate writing. And I don't want to think of something else to say. I'm already doing my LinkedIn posts. Like, God, this is brutal. And now I'm just like, I'll just take the best thing I said in the live and that transcribe it. And that becomes the, the newsletter. And it's just like a text post. So it's all like the podcast is just me being here. It's just the audio. So it's like a, it's just a, yeah, you streamline it. Who do you use to transcribe? Who do I use to transcribe? Yeah. I don't, I actually, when I say transcribe, I just pull like a, like literally I'll just, as I'm listening to it and time stamping it, I'll just pull whatever thought I'm on and I'll just type it out in the uh, newsletter. I don't even, there's no like automation to it or anything. I could use like a Descript or something like that, but as I'm listening to it anyways, I just write it out like a text post. And typically it takes me like 10, 15 minutes. It's just like a text post for LinkedIn. And then I schedule it out in my uh, MailChimp. So I just, and I don't say like, oh, it's my newsletter. Oh, our live session this week, oh, this. No one's gonna read that if I do that, right? So I just treat it like it's a text post on LinkedIn. I go right to the value. This is what you need to do if you're struggling with this. Here's how you make your content more engaging. Here's how, you know, I just literally just treat it like it's an instant value. And then at the very end, I, if I remember, uh, I'll try and tie in like what the next episode is about. So people read all the way through, they're like, oh cool, next week he's talking about this, that's cool. Well, that's why I'm here now. Your last one said, hey, we're yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? So there's your proof, you know? Thank you so much for listening to the Brand in Demand show. And don't forget, these are live events that we put on every single week that you can be a part of from 2.30 to 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. We'll see you around.